no. <laughs> Vincent, could you hold this for me? Uh, y'all glad to be here tonight? Let me tell you, I'm glad y'all are here. The walls are echoing a little bit. Amen. All right, we're going to sing out of the blue hymnal. And uh, we'll sing number 84. see so the problem is I didn't know what the first word was <laughs> so forgive me Strength and 
Praise the Lord. That's a beautiful song. Uh, we'll do number 95 now. Number 95. sing number 99 number 99 <clears throat> Yes, 
Brother Jason, would you open us in prayer tonight, please? Amen. Please do be seated. Oh, excuse me. All right. I want you to turn with me to the book of Daniel again tonight. We, uh, well, could you go to the, my desk and get my Bible, please? We're going to be in Daniel chapter 5. Last week we took and we looked at, um, we looked at a nervous king. We we're talking about King Nebuchadnezzar, if you will. We looked at the four, uh, first four uh, chapters of uh, uh, the book of Daniel. And I'm not trying to preach the book of Daniel. Just the Lord kind of laid that on my heart uh, last week. And so I kind of want to take in the... Uh, <laughs> anybody see a Bible around here? <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I only own about 15 Bibles here. I don't know where that happened. Please forgive me. Daniel chapter, uh, Daniel chapter 5. You guys are familiar with the story. And uh, we want to just look at that here uh, tonight. Uh, if, you get, if you will, just refresh in your mind the story of Daniel. Uh, chapters 1 through 4, Nebuchadnezzar, if you will. Nebuchadnezzar goes from being a pagan king, most powerful man in the world at that time. Um, and uh, God humbles him greatly, uh, and, and so that's what we looked at last week is how God humbled him and how ultimately he gave a testimony, one of the clearest testimonies of faith in the Bible. He gives a, a tremendous, uh, he is the only God, okay? We talked about that last week about how that, you know, they asked the Ethiopian eunuch, you know, uh, what's hindering me to be baptized? He says, if you believe, you may. And he says, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. I'm telling you what, that Ethiopian unit gave a wonderful testimony, but Nebuchadnezzar gave an even better one, okay? And, and so I, I do believe we'll meet him in heaven. And uh, so we talked about a nervous king and nervous kings last week. We'll talk about that a little bit more here in a second. But tonight I want to talk about a nervy king, all right? And nervy means irreverent, irreligious, disrespectful, Okay? And that's exactly who Belshazzar is. And we can learn a lot that. We can learn a lot from, if you will, the life of Nebuchadnezzar, but we can also learn a lot uh, because of this king here. And so Daniel chapter 5, beginning in verse 1, 
the Bible uh, uh, gives us a story, and the Bible says, uh, Belshazzar, the king, made a great feast to a thousand of his lords and drank wine before uh, the thousand. Belshazzar, uh, whilst he tasted the wine, commanded to bring the golden and silver vessels which his father, Nebuchadnezzar, had taken out of the temple, which is in Jerusalem, that the king and his princes, his wives and his concubines might drink therein. And then they brought the golden vessels that were taken out of the temple of the house of God, which was at Jerusalem. And the king and his princes, his wives, and his concubines drank in them. Now, folks, that's, that is blasphemy. It's, it's, um, what's the other word I'm looking for? Desecration, if you will, of holy things, the holy things of God. And by the way, he knew what he was doing. He's doing this on purpose, Okay. And uh, the Bible says, uh, they drank wine and praised the gods of gold and of silver, of brass, of iron, of wood, and of stone. And by the way, up to this point, they're having a merry old time. I want you to think about this. In the world, people are having a good old time blaspheming God. They might want to learn something from Belshazzar here, because we're going to take a look at that here tonight. Uh, the Bible says this, it says further, it says, In the same hour came forth fingers of a man's hand and wrote over against the candlestick upon the plaster of the wall of the king's palace. And the king saw part of the hand that wrote, and then the king's countenance was changed. <laughs> I'm sorry, I have to stop and pause on that one. He was all puffed up. Ah, we're drinking to the gods of gold and silver, and, right? And then he sees the wall. And... Uh, Bible says his countenance was changed. And how many of y'all think it went from some kind of smarmy, look what we're doing to God, to, uh, okay, I probably can't show fear as good as he, he did, <laughs> that's for sure. Amen. So much, you know how I know, the Bible says, so that the joints of his loins were loosed and his knees smote one against another. I got to tell you, I've been scared before, but I don't know that I've ever had my knees knocking together. You know, we use that for an illustration all the time, but it's from the Bible, and that's where we get it. The Bible says the king cried aloud to bring in the astrologers, the Chaldeans, the soothsayers, and the king spake and said uh, to the wise men of Babylon, whosoever shall read this writing and show me the interpretation thereof shall be clothed with scarlet and have chains of gold about his neck and shall be third ruler in the kingdom, meaning he'd be, he'd be the third ruler in the kingdom. Third in power. By the way, in the United States of America, who's third in power? Speaker of the House. That is correct. Okay, so Speaker of the House is number three behind the Vice President. And uh, so essentially he's saying, I will raise you to that level of power. Okay? Now think about it. It's a very powerful position. Okay? And so the Bible says here, it says, uh, verse 8 says, Then came in all the king's wise men, but they could not read the writing or make known to the king, the interpretation thereof. And then was King Belshazzar greatly troubled, and his countenance was changed in him, and his lords were astonished. They, they were, another word for that is terrified. I mean, they're scared to death here. By the way, they have every right to be. They've just seen the hand of God. You just think about it. You don't come into the presence of God and <laughs> not learn respect. Okay, and that's what's going on here. 
The Bible says, Now the queen, by reason of the words of the king and his lords, came into the banquet house, and the queen spake and said, O king, live forever. Let thy, not thy thoughts be tro trouble thee, nor let thy countenance be changed. There is a man in thy kingdom, in whose is the spirit of the holy gods, and in the days of thy father, light and understanding and wisdom, like the wisdom of the gods was found in him, whom the, whom the king Nebuchadnezzar, thy father, the king, I say, thy father, made master of the musicians, astrologers, Chaldeans, and uh, soothsayers, forasmuch as an excellent spirit in knowledge and understanding, interpreting of dreams and showing of hard sentences and dissolving of doubts were found in the same Daniel, uh, whom the king named Belteshazzar. Now, Daniel be called. Uh, uh, now let Daniel be called, and he will show thee the interpretation. Now, just for sake of time, I want you to think about all the way down to verse 31, which is the last verse. Just notice what happened to the king at the very end, if you will. Look at verse 30. And we're going to look at all this, but um, for sake of time, let me get ahead of it. In verse 30, the Bible says, In that night was Belshazzar, the king of the Chaldeans, slain, died. And Darius the Median took the kingdom, being about threescore and two years old. Let's pray. Father, we do love you. We thank you for the privilege to take and to open your word tonight. We just... Uh, Thank you for the praises that we could give, just thinking about our great God and our Savior who became flesh, lived a perfect life, made a perfect sacrifice, and Father then offers perfect salvation to all who will receive it. Father, be with those who are here tonight. Father, be with those who are apart from us. You know every need, body, soul, and spirit. Just pray that you'd meet those according to your will and for your glory. But Father, more than anything, help us understand your word, help us make application, and help us to have a tool to witness to a world that is irreverent. They do not respect Jesus. They do not respect God. Jesus is God. Father, we just uh, pray, Lord, that even in this season, in this time, that we'd be able to point to our great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Father, we love you and we thank you now. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Now, last week I said that uh, we saw how the Lord informed the king of his will. He said, here's what I want is going to happen by giving the vision of the of the you know, the gold, silver, and, and all that. And, uh, and so he, he said, I'm, here's what I'm going to do. And then he used the king to fulfill his will, okay? He used Nebuchadnezzar to fulfill his will, all right? And so we looked at that. So God says, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to use you to do it. And then the third thing we learned about it last week was, be careful about taking credit for something God's doing. Because remember, he walked out on the balcony and he says, see, here is Babylon that I have built, and uh, it, while the word was in his mouth, he lost his senses. He became like an animal. His hair grew like eagle's feathers, the Bible says. His claws grew. He ate uh, grass, if you will. He became a beast. And the Bible says for seven seasons. Now, we don't know how long that was, but I, I just assume seven seasons, seven years probably. That's usually uh, how God takes and he does that. And so how humbling to go from the most powerful man on earth... And I'm not trying to be clever, but to cattle. <laughs> I mean, literally, okay? And then finally his reason was restored to him. And once his reason was restored, he said, I extol the God of heaven, <laughs> who is the only God. All right? Why well, he, he, he understood. He learned his lesson. He said, I didn't do anything. God is the one who's done everything in the affairs of men. And that was to be a good thing for all of us to have that sense. And we learned this last week, that God is working in and through us to accomplish his will. 
any good thing that happens, he gave us the strength. He gave us the ability. He gave us the opportunity. Amen. And so rather than walking around with our, our thumbs in our, in our suspenders, thinking about what wonderful people we are, maybe we should learn the lesson that Nebuchadnezzar did and just give him all the glory and honor and praise and, and do the best that we can to be in the center of his will, accomplishing his will. Now, this week, I want us to look at what happens to people, kings, if you will, who forget these lessons and dare God to do anything about it. What do I mean by that? Well, folks, there's a lot of people that go by the philosophy of eat, drink, and be merry. And you're not going to tell me what to do, and they'll just laugh at you and ridicule you, and, you know, just, what are you going to do about it? So I'm not going to do anything about it. But there is a God in heaven. There is a God in heaven. I don't know about you, but that, that gives me encouragement. That, 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 we talked about that a little bit. But I, I, I really do want to talk about disrespect tonight, okay? And I, I've, I've told you all this many times, but I hope you know it's true by now. I just go to a text and ask the Lord, what does it say? And I try to be faithful to just say, here's what it says, here's the application, here's the meaning. And honestly, that's, that's where I came. And so uh, it, I really do think that the message in here is disrespect. Well, what is the motivation for people's disrespect? By the way, how did they disrespect God? They ate and they drank from holy vessels that only priests were to use in the service of the Lord in the tabernacle or in the temple. Amen? And so when they took these vessels, they knew exactly what they were doing. They knew exactly who they were doing it to. That's why that they were trying to make a mockery when they said, we're going to praise the gods of gold, and we're going to praise the gods of silver, and we're going to praise the gods of stone. No, there are no gods. There's only one God. And so they were intentionally trying to ridicule God. Well, why? What was their motivation? Well, let's talk about that. You see, Nebuchadnezzar had just died, okay? Nebuchadnezzar ruled for about 40 years. And, uh, and if you do the math, he basically ruled for about half of Daniel's lifetime in Babylon, okay? So for about half the time Daniel was in Babylon, Nebuchadnezzar was the king, okay? Well, now Nebuchadnezzar has died, and the Bible tells us that he was replaced by his son, and it's kind of an odd name, but his name, his name is Evil Merodach. okay? doesn't mean he was the bad evil. Evil was a name, okay? That's, it's, okay, it doesn't even mean evil, okay? But uh, anyhow, his name was Evil Merodach. And I want you to see something. Go to 2 Kings. This will help you to understand here. Because Evil Merodach, his son, reigned in his stead, Nebuchadnezzar's stead, for about two years, and after that, he died. The reason he died is he was assassinated, okay? And Second uh, Kings chapter 25, this is how we know about uh, this king. He's also spoken of in Jeremiah, but it's just quoting this same passage here. But Second Kings chapter 25 and verse 27, the Bible says, And it came to pass in the seventh and thirtieth year of the captivity of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, in the twelfth month on the seventh and uh, 20th day of the month, that evil Merodach, king of Babylon, in the year that he began to reign, did lift up the head of Jehoiachin, king of Judah, out of prison. Okay? Now, again, there's no accidental details in your Bible. One question would be, how in the world did this guy even know this guy? Think about it. Jehoiachin had been a prisoner for 37 years. How many of you all know prisoners in jail have been there for 37 years? Now, you might know some that have been there a week or two, <laughs> okay? 
but for 37 years, okay? Well, there's a reason for it. You, you remember, the Bible says uh, 37 years after, okay? Well, that's nearly the 40 years of uh, Nebuchadnezzar's rule and the time when uh, Daniel and his friends were taken into captivity, okay? And uh, he didn't have real power before that because before that he was actually what would be called a co-regent. Now, you got to imagine, ooh, man, there's an obvious illustration here, and I'm just going to skip it. But if you all figure it out, just give me a knowing grin and we'll, <laughs> okay. But, uh, folks, uh, Nebuchadnezzar was out of his mind. He was eating grass like cattle. Folks, he wasn't ruling. You guys all understand that? And so, if you will, Evil Meridog was ruling for seven years as what is called a co-regent, okay? He was, if you will, running the government in lieu of, uh, yes, <laughs> too many knowing smiles now, <laughs> okay? Um, uh, you guys understand, uh, he was taking, he was ruling, okay? The only problem is, is when Nebuchadnezzar came back to his right mind, the Bible says, and when he began to rule, he realized that his son was actually happy that his dad had lost his mind, okay? And uh, because of that, he was, uh, he was you know, shut down. Uh, he was uh, punished, if you will. And then when uh, Nebuchadnezzar did finally die, he did take the throne because he, he was the next in line, okay? But he was, a, he was a wicked man, okay? So much so that his own people rose up against him and they killed him, okay? And we'll talk about who those people were here in a second. But history records, like I said, that he was a co-regent for seven years. And the word they used in the book that I, I got this from is that he exulted in his father's calamity. He was happy that his dad had become, you know, mentally ill, if you will. And uh, that's and, oh, by the way, when his dad figured out what had happened, he threw him in prison, okay? Well, here's, here's the point. Uh, think about it. The high-ranking prisoners, probably in cells next to each other, and it's very likely that he met Jehoiachin in prison, okay? Very likely. And so you put two and two together. As soon as he comes to power, he takes and he elevates his friend. And uh, by the way, what nationality is the king of Israel? This is a silly question, but I'm trying to make a point. He's a Jew, he's an Israelite, he's the son of David. By the way, of the same lineage and family and everything of a guy named Daniel. Okay, see, Daniel's from that same family, all right? And so if you will, uh, he takes and he elevates him and he, he feeds him at the king's table and he takes care of him until he too dies, okay? And so uh, let me just say this, people were none too happy about that, okay? But also remember this. Remember when God said to Jeremiah, he said, uh, your people are going into captivity. And he said that to uh, Jehoiachin, Jehoiakim, okay, Zedekiah, and I'm missing one, but I've, I've forgotten it, so please forgive me. But he basically said this, God is commanding Nebuchadnezzar to put you into captivity. So just go, okay? Now help me. Did they want to go into captivity? No, we kind of talked about that last week. No, they kind of like being a king, <laughs> okay? It's real hard to let go of being a king. And yet, remember what we said last week? What do we want to do if we really want to have the right king ruling in our life? We have to literally, like Jonathan, take off our robes and lay them at the feet of Jesus. Surrender, okay? We need to take and surrender before the Lord. Lord, you're in charge of my life, okay? Well, if God is in charge, then what should you do? Well, you should... Do what God says, okay? And let me show you the illustration. 
does God reward faithfulness? Even when you're being faithful and you don't know why. Even when you're being faithful and, and, and it doesn't make sense to you. No, 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 we're the children of God. We need to stay in the land. This is the promised land. And God said, no, I'm taking you out. We know later it's because you didn't keep uh, the seven-year Sabbaths, and so I'm taking you out for as many as you missed. You're, you missed 70 of them. You're going out for 70 years. You're going to give this land rest. Amen. God has a purpose for everything he does. Amen. But notice, if you will, let's turn here. We're still in 2 Kings, most of us. Look at 2 Kings um, chapter 24, and look at verse uh, 12. And God says this, and says, And Jehoiachin, the king of Judah, went out to the king of Babylon, he and his mother and his servants and his princes and his officers, and the king of Babylon took him in the eighth year of his reign. He surrendered. Y'all see that? And so, if you will, a time came where instead of being killed or having some terrible thing happen to him in prison, he was actually elevated and treated like a king in Babylon, okay, at the end of his life. God, in a sense, kept his word, amen. Go and everything will be all right, okay? Well, he didn't do that for his uncle, okay, Zedekiah, all right? Uh, go just one chapter over, go to chapter 25 and look at verse 7. In, in 25 and verse 7, he kept telling Jeremiah kept telling Zedekiah, he said, if you'll just go into captivity, everything will be all right. If you just go into captivity, everything will be all right. Jehoiakim had done it. Zedekiah was afraid of his counselors and wouldn't do it. As a matter of fact, he tried to sneak out through a wall and run to Egypt, and he got caught. Okay? And when they caught him, the Bible says they took him towards Babylon. Okay? Didn't get all the way there. Because notice what it says in verse 7 here. The Bible says, and they slew the sons of Zedekiah before his eyes. How many of y'all think that was a result he didn't want? Y'all with me? How many of y'all also think this, that if he would have just done what God told him, his sons would have lived? Amen. Not only that, but just to make it even more awful, in verse 7 the Bible says, and put out the eyes of Zedekiah and bound him with fetters of brass and carried him to Babylon. And by the way, you'll notice he wasn't elevated. I don't know if he died before or not, but he wasn't elevated, but Jehoiachin was, okay? My whole point is this, is folks, don't laugh at God. <laughs> and if God tells you to do something, say, yes, Lord, and do it, even if you don't understand sometimes, amen? Why? Because God is faithful, and he will keep his promises. And he said, Jehoiachin, if you'll just surrender, it's going to be all right. And by the way, we read the end of the story. It was all right. Zedekiah, you better do it or else. And I can't. I'm afraid of the men. Okay. Well, you should have been afraid of me. Folks, you realize having wrong placed fear quite often is disrespectful. Who should we, who should we fear first? God. Who should we love first? God. And then everything else fits. Have you ever noticed that? But he just he says, "Me first, me first. Everything else fits." Okay. And and some so many times people have trouble respecting God's command, "Me first. Whereas if you'll just put Him first, everything works out. If, if you will, we see this that uh, uh, evil Merodach he he. Uh, 
he died two years. And then Belshazzar comes to the throne. Now, the Bible says in our text here that Belshazzar was the son of Nebuchadnezzar. But let me just say this. History is very difficult on Belshazzar. Uh, I tried looking it up. I tried studying it. There's a lot of confusion in all this. I haven't said this. We know the word of God is true. But how many of us also know this? We talked about this last week. That when it says they're the son of somebody, they could be the son, the grandson, the great-grandson. By the way, Jesus is the son of David, but he's the great, 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 great. You all understand? And so we don't understand how removed he was, but we know this. The evil Merodach was assassinated, and then, if you will, uh, Belshazzar was put in power by common assent, is the way they said it. Okay? Now, don't get me wrong. He wasn't voted into office. (laughs) Okay, it's not a democracy. He was not voted into office. But he was put into office. But who do you think put him into office? Well, he was put into office by those who were in power. Okay? Go back to Daniel chapter 3. Daniel chapter 3. In Daniel chapter 3, and I'm hoping you have some familiarity because I, I, I don't want to run out of time. But let's talk about the people in power at this time. This is, this is when Nebuchadnezzar is still in power. But these are the people who are the kingmakers. Uh, I taught you about the, the magis, the wise men, how that, how that Herod did have something to fear. These people played power politics, <laughs> okay? So much so they were willing to kill one man to put another man into office, okay? And that's, that's all Bible right there, by the way, okay? And uh, so Daniel chapter 3, look at what the Bible says in verse 2. Uh, the Bible says here, it says, Then Nebuchadnezzar the king sent to gather together the princes, the governors, the captains, the judges, the treasurers, the counselors, the sheriffs, and all the rulers of the provinces to come to the dedication of the image which Nebuchadnezzar the king had set up. And then it names them all again, okay? And if you will, those were all the county and, and state and national leaders of not just, you got to remember this is an empire, okay? And so it's kind of like we have the United States. They kind of had the United Countries, okay? And, uh, and so everybody at every level that was high enough had to come and essentially bow down to this image. And by the way, who was the image of? Well, folks, the Bible tells you in the previous chapter, it was him, <laughs> okay? It was Nebuchadnezzar. And so he said, when you hear the music, bow down. And what that means is, I'll, uh, when you bow down, I'll know you follow me, and, 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 and so you can, then you can go home. And, of course, you remember Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? They say, we, we're, we're not careful to answer thee in this matter. We will not bow. And our God is able to deliver us, but if not, know this, we're not going to bow. By the way, praise the God for character. Can I just tell you this? I know in my life there's been times that you had to stand alone and you had to stand for things just like this. Say, I don't care what everybody else is doing. This is the right thing to do. This is what God says. And you got to learn to stand alone. Okay? Why? Because everybody else, they say, drink to the God of gold. Yes, sir. Nobody can see me. The God, the God, the God can see you. Amen. And, and let me know this. I don't fear you. I fear him. 
And if you don't have that right relationship, eventually you're going to show your disrespect to God. I will not disrespect him. Why? Because I'm going to follow him. Uh, by way of testimony, anybody over the age of 13 want to acknowledge it's a regular occurrence in your life, especially in your early teen years to about the time you get married. You face those decisions on a regular, constant basis. Everybody else is doing it. I don't care what everybody else is doing. I'm not going to disrespect my God. Amen. We see here that, think about this. What we're talking about now is the motivation for the disrespect. Why did he say, worship the God of gold and of silver and of stone? Okay. Why did he do that? Well, think about this for a second. We talked about this last week. Remember what the whole purpose for God's plan was? Was to elevate Daniel and his friends to a position of leadership in the Babylonian Empire. Remember that? I read the verse. Okay? And so the whole purpose behind God's plan was to elevate them into the empire. How many of y'all uh, have ever had to deal with powerful people? You probably have dealt with more than anybody I know. Uh, can I ask you just one question? You verify They like being in power. <laughs> and they'll do anything to keep you from cutting their power. Okay? Meaning what? Meaning they'll sabotage you. Folks, those people that were there, by the way, a different group rose up, and they were called the Chaldeans. And they said, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego won't bow. Help me now for a second. Is it possible, just possible, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and certainly Daniel, outranked them? <laughs> and they said, they didn't bow. And their whole purpose was to get Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and Daniel, amen, eliminated and removed. Now think about this. What had just happened with the previously assassinated king? He had taken a removed ruler and returned him to a position of influence and sitting next to the king at the dinner table. And by the way, was that important? You remember that Jesus' disciples said, who's going to sit on your right hand and on your left hand? Y'all with me? And you know what he's doing? He says, let's uh, give a pledge to the gods of gold and of silver and of stone and not to that one grandpa Okay. was praising, and all those Jews that they had elevated. Yeah. I mean, I just want you to get a hold of what's going on here. Their motivation was to take and to say, we're going to put them down. Folks, why do people fight so hard against Christians who are not opposing them in any way? Amen? I'll tell you why. Because ultimately they realize they serve a God. They serve a God, and they want to take, and, and, and their motivation is we're going to take, and we're going to do all we can to show your God to be weak and worthless and without power. And folks, that's exactly what's going on here, okay? Uh, if you will, I wrote in my notes, he was not in the mood to promote Daniel or his friends or their God. 
I got the verses, and I'm, I'm running out of time, so if you want them, I'll, I'll give you my notes. You can have them go back and study these things, but I think you know this. By the way, uh, you guys know what irony is? That's, I want to make a joke, but I'm out of time. Irony is whenever that I'm the world's worst in English. Irony is basically when it doesn't turn out the way you'd hoped. <laughs> okay. Matter of fact, it turns out worse than you could hope. Because think about this. As soon as the writing on the wall took place, what's the first thing he did? His mother come in and said, there's a guy named Daniel. Now, you don't listen to him because you're trying to deny his God. But you might want to go get him. And when he comes and he stands before him, what does he do? He says, if you'll interpret it for me, I'll make you third ruler in the kingdom. The very thing he was trying. Come on now, amen? The very thing. And by the way, people don't want anything to do with us when they're in power. But when God's putting them through the ring cycle, amen? Isn't it amazing how people who would never talk to you would seek you out and say, I know you're a Christian. Would you pray for me? Hey, I'm going through trouble. Could, could you talk to me for a sec? Come on now. And, and folks, they'll take and they'll shake their fist at God until God puts them in the vice of life. And then they're looking for somebody who kept their testimony through all the hard times and through all the bad jokes and when they cuss around you and take the Lord's name in vain and ha, 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 and blah, blah, right? But when God finally squeezes their heart, they're looking for somebody that stood up when everybody else bowed down. Amen. We see, if you will, his motivation. But the second thing that we see is the method that God used to teach him respect. Look at verse 5 back in our text. Daniel chapter 5 and verse 5. The Bible says this. It says, In the same hour came forth fingers of a man's hand and rode over against the candlestick upon the plaster of the wall of the king's palace. Now, I don't know about you, but if all of a sudden we were sitting here and words started appearing on that wall, any of y'all want to move to this side of the building? <laughs> Would that scare you? Folks, there's no accidents in the Bible, and I've told you this. Anytime you see something, look for a parallel because the Bible interprets itself, okay? So I want you to think, how many times has the hand of God seen writing? The answer is three, okay? If you've ever heard this, if you've ever seen this. But uh, the first time was when he gave the Ten Commandments, all right? And the Bible talks about the hand of God writing the Ten Commandments, giving those tablets to, uh, if you will, to Moses, and he comes down. And just so you can see it, just real fast, please go with me to Exodus chapter 32. What happened when a handwritten document from God came into the presence of sinners? And by the way, I want to say stiff-necked sinners because that's what they were. And in uh, Exodus chapter 32, look at verse 15. The Bible says this, and Moses turned and went down from the mountain. The two tablets of the testimony were in his hand. The tablets were written on the both their sides, on the one side and on the other side they were written, and the tablets were the, say it with me, the 
the work of God, and the writing was the, uh, the writing of God graving upon the tables. And so, if you will, God had written this with his hand, all right? He comes down, he sees the people playing, if you will, they're sinning greatly. Uh, by the way, when he went up the mountain, he said, all, these, all that thou sayest, we will do. And they didn't make it 40 days, <laughs> okay? As a matter of fact, what happens, you guys know, uh, Moses throws the tablets down. He says, Levites, gird on your swords. Look for the people who are misbehaving. And the Bible says in, in verses, if you want to see it, it's in verses 27 and 28, uh, 3,000 people died that day. Folks, think about this. When God wrote the word, people died. Why? Because they couldn't keep, thou shalt have no gods before me. Make unto thyself no graven images. Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. You guys know Ten Commandments? And if you will, they couldn't keep them for one day. Amen? And God took in, in judgment and condemnation. Said, you can't be right with God. I want you to think about that. That's the very first time God wrote anything, if you will. 3,000 died. But folks, after Jesus came, amen, in uh, Acts chapter uh, 2 and verse 41, then they that gladly received his word were baptized, amen, and they added unto the church 3,000 souls, amen, after Christ, after Christ. You see, you can't do it, but I can you can't do it, but God can. In Galatians chapter uh, 3 and verse 24, the Bible says that the law was our schoolmaster to what? To bring us unto Christ, if you will. And so the first time God wrote something, it was in condemnation. You can't do it! Okay? But when Christ came, folks, there's, there's a reason why it wasn't 3,001 people saved on the day of Pentecost. Because when you looked at that number 3,000, he wanted you to go 3,000, 3,000, 3,000. Wait a minute. The day the law was given, the handwriting of God, we couldn't keep it. But folks, Jesus Christ kept the law. Amen. He kept the law. And then he offered grace. Folks, the second time that the hand of God was used is, is when, if you will, this Gentile king was given warning. Okay? Meaning, meaning, tikal ufersin. Okay? You guys know it. You can go back and read it for yourself if you want to, all right? But he took and he wrote that. And if you will, the Bible says that night he died. Why? He's basically saying this, the Persians are coming, okay? And by the way, while he was having a drunken feast, you guys know this, that the, uh, the Persians actually dammed up the Euphrates River, made it so that the water level went down, and literally the armies of Persia were in the city two to three days before they even knew that they had been conquered, not from the outside, but from the inside. And the Bible says that night they killed Belshazzar. Okay, why? Well, in a sense, don't laugh at God. <laughs> okay? Don't take and mock God, if you will. You know, he died that night, okay? And then think about this. One steward of God's, the head of gold, passed to the shoulders of silver. Okay? It was all part of that plan, if you will. And, and please take this the right way. But when Christ came, Israel said, we'll not have this man to rule over us. I said, okay, I offered it to you. You didn't want it. So now the kingdom's going over here for a while. Okay? 
and he, he, he's given stewardship of his word and of his gospel, amen, to the church today, amen. And if you will, that when he wrote, he says there's going to be a transition from one to another. I think it fits. I think it fits, okay? And so if you will, the first time, the giving of the law, 3,000 people die. The second time, one Gentile king is put down and another king arises. Amen, all right? But again, think about this. You guys know the third time? Most of you do. When's the third time God wrote with his finger? When Jesus wrote, a woman caught in adultery was brought to him. She was caught in adultery in the very act. What should be done? And by the way, according to the Ten Commandments, according to the, the, the rest of the commandments that were given with the Ten Commandments, she was to be taken outside the city and stoned to death. By the way, not just her, but the man who was committing adultery with her. By the way, God can spot hypocrisy a mile away, can't he? Amen. What did Jesus write? And honestly, it doesn't really matter. Okay? We know what he wrote because the Bible tells us there were two tablets. We know. We also know what he wrote because in, in the book of Daniel, mini, mini, uh, uh, ufersin. Okay, yeah, we understand that. Okay. And, uh, and, and, and so uh, he told us what he wrote. The Bible never says what he wrote. But it does tell you what people did. After he got done writing it, and who knows what he wrote. He got back and he went like this. He says, he that is without sin, let him cast the first stone. Amen? And folks, the Bible says that all the men that were around there, all the hypocrites, being convicted in their own hearts, amen, took and walked away. And when everybody was gone, Jesus finally looked up at the woman. He says, woman, where are those thine accusers? No man, sir. Well, neither do I condemn thee. You guys know what he said after that? Come on. Go and sin no more. Interesting. Interesting. I want you to think about this. God erased the writing that condemned us on the cross. Go to Colossians chapter 2 and look at verse 14. Colossians chapter 2 verse 14. Colossians chapter 2, verse 14, the Bible says this, blotting out, by the way, what's blotting out mean? Erasing. Because your name can be blotted out of the book of life, right? Not if you trust Christ as your Savior, okay? But it can be blotted out, the Bible says, that's what it means, to erase, okay? And so if you will, the Bible says, if you will, the wages of sin is, okay? And so the handwriting of the ordinances if you break the commandment to have no other gods before me, death. If you make a graven image, death. If you take my name in vain, death. If you forget to remember the Sabbath to keep it holy, death. If you don't honor your father and your mother, death. How are you doing so far? We all in trouble? And if you will, the metaphor is this. When Jesus was on the cross and by the time he said it is finished, if you will, he took his blood and he, he went like this. And he erased them. 
Any of y'all trusted Christ as your Savior? You're not guilty of any sin. You know why? Because Jesus Christ nailed him to his cross. And instead of condemnation and death, there's mercy and grace in life. All because that hand that wrote also erased. And praise God for his goodness. Amen. Praise God. If you will, the woman who was taken in adultery, uh, excuse me, every other time God had written something, judgment fell. And in this time it didn't. And so if you will, with this woman taken in adultery, God is saying something has changed with the handwriting of God. Amen. He's erased it. Now I want you to think about this. What is the methods that God uses to teach respect? God's written word. Do you realize this is designed to teach us respect? Amen. And yet, boy, people love mocking the word of God, don't they? Of course, Jesus Christ is the living word. This is the written word. But they love mocking God. Remember that when he was on the cross? They, they mocked him. They, they, what's the word where he says that in his teeth? You guys remember? If you all think about that. Uh, and so, if you will, how does, how does God teach respect? With the written word. Can I just say this? Uh, when in doubt, give scripture. The second thing that resulted is troubling thoughts resulted. Verse 6, Bible says that, that his loins were loosed and his knees smote together. Okay? I don't really want to act like this, okay? But I mean, okay? Usually the only time you see that is when in a cartoon or something. Okay? But I, I will tell you this, when somebody is truly overwhelmed. I've seen people, you know, by the way, they usually fall pretty quick after that, <laughs> okay? And so, if you will, troubling thoughts. But you know what? Troubling thoughts aren't always a bad thing. For the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And can I tell you this? It's okay for people to be afraid of God. Why? Because, it, Lord, what would you have us to do? Amen? Go get Daniel. <laughs> He's got some answers for me. Amen. And so troubling thoughts. By the way, you can't just go from fear because fear has to turn into conviction. You can't just be afraid. Anybody here afraid of something that's irrational? Nobody's going to want to say it. Anybody here afraid of snakes behind glass? Okay, thank you. All right. Please take this the right way. As long as it's a well-sealed room, you've got nothing to be afraid of. Some of you are saying, I don't believe you. <laughs> I will tell you this. I was afraid of snakes until I came to the conviction that a snake out in the field ain't going to hurt me. All I got to do is get in my car. It's not going to hurt me. Okay. Well, I'll take this the right way. It is right and appropriate to fear God. We should. But until it turns into conviction, hey, I'm in trouble here. I need some help. Go get me somebody. Somebody tell me about Jesus. Amen. And so, if you will, a method God uses to teach respect is the written word and troubling thoughts. And then the spirit was used to interpret. You know what they said, and, and just for sake of time, back in Daniel chapter 5, verses 7 through 12, you know what they said? They said, go get a man in whom the spirit of the Lord is. Go find him. Okay? Well, please take this the right way. When do you get the spirit of the Lord? At salvation. But the Bible says, be filled with the Spirit. 
So can we be filled with the Spirit and not Spirit-filled? The answer is yes. Meaning that we could be so full of the flesh, come on, that sometimes we're no earthly good for the Lord. Amen? Oh, we're, we got the Spirit. Praise God. But in whom the Spirit of the Lord is, where there's a supernatural wisdom and there's a supernatural understanding, a supernatural recall, a supernatural, what verse should I use? Amen? Go find me that man. And folks, I'm telling you, that's what the world needs more than anything to shake up these irreverent kings who want to shake their fist at God and laugh at God and laugh at Christians and laugh at church and laugh, come on now, amen. And God says, here's what I need. The word of God, little fear of God, and somebody filled with the spirit of God who can take and give answers to people who are desperately seeking them. The problem is, any of y'all mockers before you got saved? Listen, I was a mocker. I was a mocker. I, you know, I'm I'm as good as you are. Good doesn't get you to heaven. Amen. So, if you will, the motivation is uh, is uh, for his disrespect was he didn't want to exalt the God of heaven. Amen. Uh, but God said, you're going to. Amen. The method we, to teach respect, God's word, uh, God's conviction, if you will, and God's spirit-filled men. And then the last thing we want to look at, go back to our text and we'll be done. Go to Daniel chapter 5 and look at verse 6. Daniel chapter 5 and verse 6. The Bible says again, I... The Bible says, and the king's countenance was changed, and his thoughts troubled him, so the joints of his loins were loosed, and his knees smote one against another. Yeah, I want you to think about the memory of Belshazzar. Uh, think about this. How, how is he a, a type for the irreverent or people who disrespect God? Well, one day they're going to be shaken. One day they're going to be humbled. By the way, how did he end up? He ended, in verse 16, he ended up bowing essentially in front of Daniel. Help me. Amen? And, and, so, and then last of all, in verse 30, he ended up dead, which we've been talking about. That's apart from God. Why? Because he wouldn't learn true respect. And we know this, but the Bible says in three different places that every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess to God the Father. Amen? And folks, we live in a world today full of people who are irreverent. Maybe we ought to just point them to Belshazzar. Amen? And say, listen, you can shake your fist, you can laugh, you can mock, you can praise the gods of this world all you want to, but you might want to remember this. Everybody, everybody is going to end up shaken, humbled. Amen? And either dead to sin or dead to life, and I'd rather be dead to sin Amen. And alive unto God. Amen. It helps us to understand all those who will only bow when it's too late. And folks, by the time Belshazzar bowed, it was too late. It was too late. I got to tell you, God has filled his book full of examples that we can use for soul winning and telling people about Jesus Christ. Anybody know somebody like that? Just a mocker in your face, you know? 
I'll give one last illustration. I've gone long, so please forgive me, but I had uh, a man I worked for in the military. He was a senior master sergeant, and he was rough as they came. He had been through Vietnam, and um, he literally could not... This is not exaggeration. He could not say a paragraph without taking the Lord's name in vain. You guys ever known somebody like that? He literally could not. And I remember one day we were at a wedding. And to be honest with you, this was one of the most ungodly weddings I ever saw in my life. But the problem was a Bible was there. And this man who took the Lord's name in vain constantly was dripping sweat. I mean, the sweat was raining off of him. And it, there's no doubt in my mind that it's just demonic influences, maybe conviction. I don't know what it was, but something was all over this man. And I got to tell you what, you can take the Lord's name in vain all you want, but one day you're going to call him Lord. Every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess. Let's use this as an opportunity to witness to help people before it's eternally too late. Let's all stand if you would. I'm sorry for going long. I'm sorry. I'll sit down for two seconds. I'm sorry. Let's pray. Father, we do love you. Thank you for this word. Just pray that you'd help us to apply it.